Welcome to Watershed's February podcast. My name's Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed and delighted to be joined by two members of the collective Come the Revolution, who are a group uh, of curators um, programming work um, relating to black experience, black identity, and black talent on screen and, and behind camera, um, and who are working across Manchester, Birmingham, and Bristol. Um, and that is Liz Cheggy and Edson Button. And we're going to start off by having a conversation about Barry Jenkins' extraordinary new film, Moonlight, which opens on February the 17th. Um, and this, this, it's just been nominated for um, eight Oscars. Um, it's probably seen as the major contender, um, best picture-wise, mm. to knock La La Land off its certain spot mm. <laughs> um, but but the interesting thing um, with Moonlight is that it's come from a kind of much less hyped le- a smaller um, sort of world, indie film world than a lot of the films that are um, in the Oscar contention um, it's come from almost a quieter place when you um, compare that it opened in um, Telluride Film Festival last year and then really had its big premiere in in Toronto in September. Um, And it just seems to have grown over that period into being a um, really uh, significant film. Um, And so the question to both of you guys is, what is it about Moonlight that is so so, uh, extraordinary? For me, I think it's because of an extraordinary cast. Um, Maheshala Ali has been all over TV over the couple of years, and I think he's his fan base has been following him wherever he goes. Also, the director, Barry Jenkins, is quite vocal online, which helps. Um, he shares quite a lot of knowledge online. Um, their campaign has been extraordinary, I think, visually. But also the film, for me, was a um, kind of visual poem um, which you can see where his um, his influences come from and it's not Hollywood, clearly. Uh, and, and it's not a, a kind of social realism, um, you know, in the way that mm. John Singleton's Boys in the Hood really announced a, a, a new um, voice and a new direction in, in um, speaking about black experience. Mm. Um, you know, it's not that kind of urban, although it is set in, in Miami in the mm. um, in the eighties. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a kind of social realist agenda that mm. it's tackling. I think what's interesting about it in the way in which it subtly is a, an allegory that draws upon mythic traditions, uh, Grecian, um, possibly even uh, Yoruba. Um, mm. But that what you then have on the surface, I think, and what makes it so powerful is what might on the surface seem to be a conventional story, um, which is one of the reasons why uh, one of the uh, Naomi Harris, who plays the mother of the main protagonist, was initially unsure about the role and then having interrogated Mm -hmm. it further. Because on the surface, it's a conventional story of dysfunctionality, because um, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of coming of age, coming of age. Um, told over yeah. uh, three three 
parts of this character's um, life. Hmm. And, but it, it completely subverts that. It's much richer than that. Um, the characters are metaphors for deeper struggles, um, for other kinds of encounters. And in some ways, what it does is give more depth, I think. If it was just on the level of social realism, it gives more depth to those stories, which I think are very often uh, two-dimensionally given and don't really give an audience that isn't part of a certain urban milieu uh, an understanding of that. So it gives more depth on that sense, but also it resonates on a much deeper level to, I think, more universal stories of truth, love, and, and beauty. Mm. And it, it really does flip those um, uh, two-dimensional representations that you said. I mean, as you see, Naomi Harris, who plays the mother, mm. who's, a, um, who's a junkie, you know, crackhead, uh, and and you can see that that would be so stereotyped mm. in other more mainstream films, and you can see why she's read the script and or or she's maybe been asked, can you play this character? And it's like, oh, what happens? Oh, you're a heroin addict, and you know, you're, <laughs> and it's like, oh, not again. You know, is this is this what's going to happen? But but then she's read the script, and mm. and of course it's 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 much more than that. Mm. Um, the film, it's it's much as you say, it's much more metaphorical or symbolic. And, and in some ways, also, it's more—it's also more human. Um, so even that portrait reminds me of Samuel Jackson's uh, Jungle Fever portrait of mm -hmm. being a, a, a crack addict, a junkie. Mm -hmm. um, that what we I think, have a sense of is that personal story. Um, and Naomi Harris plays it so well um, with such intensity. And so you, you have, I think, rarely in my recollection of black cinema, the, the tension of a, of a black man's relationship with his mother, a dysfunctional, troubled mother, who is also on a journey. Mm -hmm. um, and what the impact of that is upon her son, which again, we often skate over in, in film. Mm -hmm. Um, in an interview, she said um, she was convinced by the director because he said, you're playing my mother. Um, this is something that she's still, you know, she's still going through. Um, and in an interview with the playwright who came up with the story. Of course, it was, yeah. a, it was a play, um, it's an adaptation of the yeah. play. Yeah. Um, apparently, it was never completed mm. um, because he said, he couldn't. He saw it visually, and that wouldn't translate well enough on stage. Mm. So he got stuck, and then Barry came and helped him finish it. Mm. Um, but the the playwright's mother as well passed away from from AIDS, from mm. drug addiction. So mm. Mm. yeah, the, uh, there are many layers to it, and I think Naomi was attracted to that. But it's the um, role of the the gangster. Um, you so are, the yeah. protagonist is taken on and supported by a character which uh, is a petty criminal drug dealer. Um, and initially, when I watched the film, I was unsure of what his motivations were, whether this is going to be a healthy connection. And it's completely subverted. This is the person yeah. who it actually takes it. completely flips it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he's more like a, uh, in many ways, in the visual poetry, Liz, that you mentioned, mm. um, sets him up as, a, as, a, as a, the guide, this sort of a water spirit, father water mm. spirit you mentioned, mm. um, you mentioned to be Sharon? Yeah, Charon yeah, yeah. The, in Greek myth. Yeah, the centaur, yeah. yeah. Um, centaur of healing. Well, because it lends itself to that, and I think a part of that is what you were saying, Liz, about the, inf the, the cinematic influences mm. of um, 
for but for on Barry Jenkins, and mm -hmm. so what you get is, um, it's it's told and that scene with the uh, with the the the, the younger, um, what's the name of the character? Little, or the, the small yeah, yeah little, the boy yeah, with, yeah. With, 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 in the first part with, yeah. with little is. Um, it, it, with the drug, taking them into the, the water to learn to swim, which yeah. is of course something every sort of you know parent child, although you know um, sort of does, is that um, learning to swim. But it, but because of the way it's filmed, it takes on a kind of much more um, almost biblical, you know, metaphorical, all those sorts of readings. But you know, at its core, it's kind of straightforward. Mm -hmm. So it works within that sort of realist uh, way, mm -hmm. but all, it's so much more layered and textured. Mm -hmm. And you were saying earlier, Liz, about the, the the influences on Barry Jenkins. Yeah, that that scene actually is what I was going to talk about because um, it's um, what, one of my favorite things about the film is that you're never quite sure about the tone. That scene where um, he's teaching Yuan is teaching Little how to mm. swim. Um, it seems on the surface quite. Um, lovely and you know it's kind of like some kind of baptism going on mm. but the music is actually quite disturbing in that scene and and uh, for a while you're not quite sure whether Yuan is on his side actually um, this is a criminal we're talking about and it's never quite mm. yeah. I've, I liked that the most about the film is that you're never quite sure what's going on it's I, revealing but then yeah. it's it's, it's not I, yes. at the same time it's funny that I, for that scene for me it was like Icarus in the water that to grow one struggles, and that in a sense uh, the the scene with the water and the sound that goes with it is about the re the the growth that came through the struggle with the water. That mm. as a responsible father, uh, as a loving father, what he does is protect him, um, surround him, and also expose him to an experience of that will allow him to grow. Mm. And that's what his whole life is. Struggle to be able to grow into accepting and being himself because he's surrounded by this adversity, and so this man is a sort of a benchmark in his life as to the journey he needs to make um, in order to become to accept himself. Something else interesting about Yuan is he's Afro-Cuban, yes, um, yeah. which it's not mentioned that much, but it's hinted through music and the, the imagery. Well, I think that's <coughs> the. Um, you know, one of the many great things about the film is that it doesn't lead you, it doesn't, it just hints at things mm. and it's up to you to sort of go in this journey with the film. Mm. And so it's not being didactic, it's not saying this is the baddie, this is the goodie, this is the criminal, this is mm. the good. You know, it's very, um, it's much more human um, in its treatment of the characters. Mm. Um, but I just think there's sort of amazing scenes, particularly in the third part, mm. um, when he, he's grown up, um, you know, it's particular images of a black man on screen, mm -hmm. um, and w how it completely subverts what um, you know stereotype images of what somebody from that background um, mm -hmm. would be like emotionally, physically. You get the representation. You think all sorts of assumptions. I think going to play, but the film really brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly subverts mm -hmm. those um, in in a very, I think, ultimately in a very powerful way. Mm. I think this, the transformation of Little in the final scene is so stunning. Mm. Uh, to see him from a child to this uh, Herculean <laughs> physique. And there is an, um, I, initially I thought an erotic eye of, of the camera upon that physique and that body. But I think in fact it was about telling us about this transformation. But actually, um, 
and again, we see this so often in cinema, but what the film does brilliantly is to get beneath that armour, that, that exterior that he's built and mm. pumped into being mm. um, to show the, that the little, the little is still little. Yeah, the little, mm. exactly, yeah. No, which is a great, um, um, something, yeah, that's great. You mentioned the, this, the music in the second mm. place, and I think, you know, that's, um, again, another sort of great part of the film is that it's right across the board of the different elements of filmmaking that it's so brilliantly, you know, from the, the, the set designs. Mm. Um, there's a really interesting interview with the, the yeah. woman that did the, um, the yeah. production design yeah. um, and film comment, you know, mm. and the, the attention to detail um, in the settings and then in the music mm. uh, is, is, is extraordinary. Mm. Um, going back to what you said about the influences, um, but, uh, Jenkins' interview with Criterion about Chunking Express op opened up for me. The, the one car one yeah, um, um, yeah, he talks about a scene where you understand the couple in like sort of two minutes or something, and he used that in in his film, like for example in the in the water scene. Yeah. Um, in terms of production design, yes, it's the sort of thing that I like to to look at. Um, but the fact that Yuan's house was never really finished until sort of the third chapter, I hope that's not a spoiler, until sort of the third chapter um, is quite interesting. Um, and which colors were um, enhanced mm, post-production yeah, yeah. and which ones yeah. weren't. Um, I loved that. And as you say, the, 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 the cinema influences on Barry Jenkins are really telling, I think. Mm. You, know, you find out that you know his background um, professionally mm. is, is he's a shorts curator for Telluride uh, wow. Film Festival. He's he's been working at, at Telluride, which is one of the kind of great curated festivals. Mm. So he's been exposed to and he's watched a lot of world cinema. Mm. Um, and he's sort of you know he talks about uh, as you said Wonka Wai, mm. um, and he also references Claire Denis' Beau Travail, mm. which is just a, a, a fantastic film. And also tellingly, Hu Shui Xuan's the, the Taiwanese directors. Um, three times, mm. which um, his structure is similar. He's used that sort of three um, act structure, as it were. But these are all filmmakers who are really um, at the top of their game in terms of the lang the language of film mm. to be able to communicate. So there's a lot that's happening in the use of the camera, the 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 whole sort of language of cinema, mm. which for me is why I'm so excited about <laughs> it because you've seen a film which is cinematically. So, um, so incredible, yeah. um, and you see those influences mm. uh, from global cinema that are sort of really sort of there. Um, if you want to sort of dive a bit deeper into into that, I think what that does is situate the film um, and make a statement. I think about black film directors and black filmmaking. Um, that often, I think people, uh, the discussion is around the social realism around the themes yeah. and issues around identity representation. Um, and what this does, I think, is, is make a bold statement about the art and craft of cinemas being essential mm. and at the forefront here, that um, don't reduce this film to a bag of social problems. Mm. Mm. Um, this, this is something which is in the tradition of, of cinema. Yeah, well, um, I think, I think well, the great thing about Moonlight is that it, it defies reduction to a yeah. particular um, you know, genre, stereotype, etc. I mean, it, it, it doesn't allow that, which is why it's, it's a, I would I would say it's a great film. Mm. I mean, it's a great piece of art mm. in that in that sense that it sort of defies mm. the, that sort of reductionism. And I wondered how much of that is due to 
his his style of working he said he doesn't really follow storyboards there's mm. a lot that gets mm. done on actual set yeah. um that's his favorite part he said um so i, I did wonder how much yeah. that has to do with him and how he sees yeah. the, ra the, ra the rather annoying thing about that <laughs> why is, is seeing somebody so young yeah bloody talented <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it, but he it, set it, a, a, he's set a high benchmark. Well, he has, he yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, for me, um, you know, uh, Moonlight is a game changer. You know, yeah. in terms of that sort of in terms of film, I think you know, I think we'll see films before Moonlight, films after Moonlight. It's mm. one of those films like Wong Kar Wai. You know, there, there, there was kind of cinema before Wong Kar Wai, and then there was cinema after. Mm. Those kinds of influences. I mean, one could argue the same for Tarantino. Um, mm. You know, cinema yeah. before and after, but I'm I'm less interested in that because I, I find it too um, sort of uh, derivative and, mm. and and whereas you know this is a much, for me a much more interesting uh, form of cinema. You know, it's a game changer. You know, in in that really great sense of it's a, it speaks so um, brilliantly about the art of filmmaking. Um, and of the cinematic, uh, and and it's one of those kinds of films that I would want to see. Um, you know, this is what it's about, <laughs> mm. um, and so it goes into the canon of mm. of cinema for me. So when when you have those um, um, you know polls, when you have those top tens the, mm. of the history of cinema and things like that, then for me, uh, and that's how for me how Definitely. great it is, is, is that Moonlight goes into that category. You know. Mm. Yes. Um, so, uh, but you, you, you come to the Evolution are organising a couple of um, events. Do you mm. want to just... Um, yes, so the weekend of the 24th to the 27th uh, of mm. February is when we are having uh, a series of events supporting, complementing, talking about drawing themes out of the film. And the first is on Friday the 24th, um, Moonlight Serenade, which mm. is before a late night screening. Mm. And that's a DJ and... Um, the yep, Delicious. Mm. Um, that'll be playing set inspired by the film um, and also on the Sunday the 26th mm -hmm. we'll be doing a, a, a sort of a, a presentation essay discussion using the film called A Question of Beauty and we'll be looking at the issues that the film brings up but using performance as a discussion point in the three-act structure borrowed from the three-act <laughs> structure that's in the film yeah so expect spoken word and some music great and just a reminder that the film uh, Moonlight opens on the 17th, 17th of February. Mm. Um, all I can say is go and see it. Also, you might be interested to know that um, the Barbican in London has got a screening mm. of the film with music performed live, and mm. that's happening in March. If you check out the Barbican in London website, you'll find out more information. Thanks very much. And Thank that's you, all Mark. For this month. Thank you. Thank you.